Welcome to New Hope Church. Glad you're here. My name is Benji. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're honored that you would be here today. And today we get to celebrate all that God is doing across the New Hope movement. And God continues to uh, be incredibly kind to us. So we want to welcome all the campuses. We want to welcome Hillsboro, New Hope Hillsboro. Check it out. Today they have added a second worship celebration to their Sunday morning crowd. They are growing. Hey, while I'm on Hillsboro, I want to remind you of something. October 25th, what's the day? That's a Wednesday. Wednesday, October 25th, 7 p.m., we are having a worship concert at the Hillsboro campus. Now, by the way, that's an important step. I keep trying to remind you of things that we're doing and why we're doing them. We would typically have a worship concert here. But we're moving it to Hillsboro because Hillsboro is a big facility. But also, we want to continue, stick with me for a moment, to decentralize the movement and spread out across North Carolina. So we are all from all the campuses. We're going to Hillsboro to worship God when? What time? We're going to have Holy Communion and worship. You don't want to miss it. Hey, let's, oh, you might be wondering, well, how do I get to Hillsboro? There's this thing called the website. Go to, go to newhopechurch.org and go to the Hillsboro campus and you'll get the map and the instructions. Hey, let's continue to welcome the campuses. I'm talking about North Raleigh. Welcome. <laughs> Sanford campus, keep it going. Garner campus. Kenya campus. Internet campus. Columbia campus. Coffeehouse campus. You, you people are a little crazy today. A little crazy today. And last but not least, it is our unbelievable privilege to celebrate the fact that God has used us to launch another campus. Used, we, we've sent out about 100, 150 people who are now going to North Durham from different campuses, most of them from here, but from some other campuses as well. And today, they are joining us for their very first grand opening worship celebration. We want you to know that we love you, we celebrate you, and all the campuses uh, have put together some footage that we want to share with you today so you can see the movement welcoming you. Check it out. Durham, we would not leave you out here at the Durham campus. We've got a group of people here who want to show you just how much we love you and how excited we are to celebrate you. Let's let them know, Durham! sure you feel the love and we just spread wide our arms and in the name of Jesus Christ we welcome all of you we celebrate those of you who have left some of our other campuses and gone to launch this campus and we welcome all of our first time guests at any of our campuses come on let the guests know at all of our campuses how much we welcome them and receive them into our midst 
And by the way, this campus is launching in a middle school. And you might be wondering, how do you launch a church in a school? By the way, this church was launched 15 years ago in a high school. But we put together a little time-lapse video, 14 seconds, to show all the campuses the transformation that can take place in a gym as you turn it into a worship center. And by the way, that's happening in the children's ministry space and first contact and everything. This is what it looks like. This is what it looks like to do a church in a school. Check it out. They had a lot of caffeine that day. <laughs> wow is right. Celebrate a church one more time. So I want to talk to you today. I want to talk to you today about the gospel. And I want to strive for clarity today. More than anything, what I hope will happen today at every location is that every single person who is a believer already will leave today fired up, secure, and celebrating the beauty of the gospel. Because I don't know if you have realized this or you've ever felt this way, but the old gospel story never gets old. What's that old hymn, I, I will cherish the old rugged cross? There's something about the gospel. So if you're a believer, I'm just praying today, you just sit securely in that gospel. Maybe some light bulbs go off and you start to understand it, maybe more than you ever have. But if you're not a believer, or you're just not sure, right? You're kind of a, a skeptic, you're a seeker, whatever the case may be, and you're just not sure if you know that you know I'm praying today will be the day that you open up your heart, open up your mind, and you come home. You come home to God. I've always said people come to church for one of three reasons. They come to church looking for help, hope, and a home. Help or hope or home. And I'm hoping today you'll come home. Many of you know that um, Amy Lynn and I have been sending kids off to college like there's no tomorrow. I mean, they're just, in one year, we've lost three. And um, last weekend, I was at Parents Weekend with my uh, twin boys. At one of them's at the, uh, the military college of South Carolina called The Citadel. He's doing very well, sends his love. And the other, yeah, thank you. He'll be glad to know you felt led to clap about that. And the other is at the University of South Carolina. I wasn't expecting you to clap, but if you're gonna clap for one, it'd be bad if you didn't clap for the other. Because, like, they'll watch this, right? Um, well, we, we were there, and then we came home, and, you know, I was doing great while I was there. But then I came home, and it's been a struggle for me, guys. I, you know, I've really handled it better than I thought I would, but even better than I thought I would, is, it hasn't been that well. And those of you who had kids go to college, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You go by their bedrooms, they're empty, they're quiet, the house is quiet. Amy Lynn and I are trying to decide, should we sell the, the house and downsize a little bit? Because in one year, we've gone from seven to four. Just the other day, I took the leaf out of our big dining room table. It was about the width of this, this deal here. I took the leaf out, and now it's like that big. Talking about depressing. But I was sitting at that, that little table, and I, was, uh, I, had, I had just our family now, the, the, the four of us, Amy Lynn and our two youngest, Joshua and Caleb. And because I'm grieving, right, and I'm trying to deal with it, I, I figured I need to do the spiritual thing and guide my family through the process. 
And so I look at my kids, Caleb and Joshua, and I'm like, hey, bro, how, how you guys doing? Are y'all, are y'all doing okay? Because I, I figured that we'd have a moment to share, maybe weep a little bit because I was feeling weepy. You know, I, th- I thought we would just have that moment. You know, I'd be that spiritual leader. And I said, how y'all doing? I said, guys, and then I thought, I'll be vulnerable. I thought, guys, I'm not really doing well. I have my days. I mean, I have good days. I love our family. Don't worry, I love just the four of us. But I miss the boys. How are y'all doing? Caleb, my 11-year-old, goes, <laughs> Daddy. He goes, it's awesome. We got so much more food in the house. <laughs> so, so what I want to let you know today is God and Caleb are very different. <laughs> Caleb celebrates. God wants you to come home. God wants you to dwell in his house. Dwell in his house forever. And I want to strive for clarity with that today. More than anything, I'm not striving for entertainment. I'm not striving for timeliness. I'm striving for clarity. And I hope you'll go there with me today. Can we pray together? Father, I um, humble myself before you and I thank you for the beauty of the gospel. I never get tired of telling this old story. Father, I pray that if there's any person in here today who is not safe and secure in the loving arms of you, Lord God, who is calling them home, I pray, Father God, that you will, you will envelop them today in your grace and in your truth. God, as we get ready to step next week into Battle Ready, a series that I don't think I've been this excited about in a long time. Father, we want to throw the gospel out there. The two words that, that keep coming to my mind, Lord, is we don't want to have anyone left behind. We want to make sure every single person comes home, Lord, before we spend seven weeks really digging into this amazing scripture in Ephesians. So, Father, would you draw your children home today? Would you take our minds? Would you think through them? Would you take my heart, our collective hearts together, God? Would you fill with them? Lord, would you take my lips today? And would you speak through them? For if you do not speak, then absolutely nothing of any significance will have been spoken. Hide me behind the shadow of the cross, Lord, that your people might leave all of our campuses having seen Jesus. For we pray it in your name. Amen. Amen. Open up your Bibles to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. I want to talk to you about an amazing verse of Scripture. It's going to be the foundation of the entire message. I want you to read it out loud, grab your teaching notes, check in on Facebook, whatever the case may be. Open up your old school Bibles, whatever. John 1, 12 and 13. Read it out loud with me if you would. Ready? Ready? Go. Yet to all who did, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to... Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but 
born of God. I want y'all to put that first verse back up there. Go back. Yet to all who did what, church? For all who did receive him, those who what? Those who believe in his name, he gave the right to what? Become children of God. Take out your teaching notes and take some notes with me today. I want to talk to you about receive. You might say R plus B equals B. Receive plus believe equals become. Say it with me. Receive plus equals, one more time, receive plus believe equals, receive plus believe equals become a child of God. The Bible makes it that crystal clear. I'm striving for clarity today. You might wonder, receive what? Believe what? Become what? I want to tell you today, I want to do my very best to put on display the beauty of the gospel. Now with the time left, I wanna make sure that every single person here walks away with clarity. I wanna make sure that if somebody were to stop you later today or any time this week, you would be able to walk them through with clarity the gospel. Friends, the gospel is why we have church. The gospel is why we come to church, amen? The gospel is everything, but like everything else in life, if we're not careful, the gospel can grow hazy. It can grow fuzzy. And today, my attempt is to put it on display with HD clarity so that every single person understands the gospel. And to do that, I wanna talk to you about two words. Two words, write them in if you would. I want to talk to you about substitute is the first word. What is it? Substitute. I told you about a month or so ago, I shared with you how I'm coaching football again this year, and we have literally 12 players on the team. How many players can you have on the football field at one time? Come on, sports people. 11. We have 12 and usually one doesn't make it to the game. We don't have any substitutes. It's a hard season. Now, thankfully, we're like at 500. We're two and two. We won two, we lost two. But it's a hard season with no substitutes. How many of you can remember when you were in grade school and you would have a substitute teacher? How did you treat your substitute teachers? You are a bunch of sinners just like me. Man, we felt for substitute teachers. Like, how many of you at all of our campuses, how many of you are substitute teachers? Show of hands. Guys, see some hands popping up, and I'm sure it's at the campus. I just think we ought to pray for the substitute teachers right now. I mean, guys, what we put substitute teachers through, it was not funny, but we all understand the concept of a substitute. A substitute is a person that takes the place or the function of another. A substitute. It's a person who takes the place or the function of another. 
Now push pause for a moment. That idea of paying a price for wrongdoing, the Bible calls, this is the second word, write it in if you would please, the Bible calls atonement. What is it? Atonement. You got the concept of a substitute, and then you've got the concept of atonement. In the Bible, these two words put together is the very core idea of Christianity. This is so important. I'm still amazed today at how many people grow up in the church, like they've been in the church their whole life. I see it all the time, and yet they've never really fully understood the gospel. Like that, that is mind-blowing to me. And I hope and pray that we would never be that kind of church where a person could come and over a period of time, they, they just not understand the gospel, which is why today I am going for such clarity. It is not complicated. It is simple, but we get fuzzy on it. And some of us have never really understood this idea of substitute atonement. Now, I defined substitute for you. What is the definition of atonement? It is satisfying the demands for justice when a crime has been committed. It is satisfying the demands for justice when a crime has been committed. So like, you ever got a speeding ticket? Got stopped one Sunday morning going to church. I did. And the officer said, sir, you were speeding. And I said, I know. I thought the best thing to do is just tell the truth. And I said, I know, but I I'm a pastor. <laughs> and I'm on my way to church. He didn't even have his pen out at that point in time. Homeboy grabbed his pen. And said, well, then, Reverend, you of all people should know not to speed. <laughs> and wrote me a ticket. I said, God bless you. I went and preached, and guess what I had to do? Guess what I had to do? I had to pay the fine. Do you, do, do you think I should have paid the fine? I know you love me. Some of you might say no, but uh, others of you, I just heard an overwhelming yes. Yes, you should, you sinner. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so, so. That, that's small, right? That's, that's small, might seem insignificant to you. What about, what about the person who kills a loved one of yours? If that were to ever happen. Some of you have had that story. Do, do, you, do you think there should be justice? Hesitated to go here. I, 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 might, I might regret this later, but I don't think so. I want to talk to you about a very tender subject. One that really rocked me in the last couple of weeks. I don't know why, it just rocked me hard to the core. And I, I know it's early, and I hope, you'll, I hope you won't stay there. I hope you'll come back with me. But like, how many of you watched what went down in Las Vegas? And with absolute horror and sadness, you watched what a man by the name of Stephen Paddock did as he climbed up high on Mandolin Bay. And, and shot down into a concert, like, like shooting fish in a bucket, if you will, and just injured all these people and murdered all these people. Now, 
by the time they got to the room, he had taken his life. And that's usually what happens when these people do these kinds of things. But, but if he had not taken his life, if he had not taken his life, come on, come on. Do, do you think there should have been justice for Stephen Paddock? Right? Now, I'm not talking about death penalty or not. That's, we're not debating that. I'm not talking about that issue. Again, I'm just, I'm just dipping my toe into this subject matter to make my point. I think I could declare that every single person at every single campus would believe that that, that man, if he had not taken his own life, should receive justice. Agreed? And even though he took his own life, FYI, he's received justice. Okay? That's the idea of atonement. When a crime is committed, there has to be a price that is paid. When a crime, big or small, your sin or mine is committed, the Bible says, because God is holy, there has to be a price that is paid. Substitute atonement, don't miss this, was God's way of making sure the price for your sin and mine, Stephen Paddock's, and mine, because we all stand on level ground at the foot of the cross, this was God's way of providing atonement. God's way of paying the price for every sin you've ever committed. And every sin you will ever commit going forward if you are a Christian. God has paid the price. Now let me just kind of walk you through some scripture in your mind. You can flip there if you want to, but you don't have to. Think about the Genesis creation story. God creates humanity in the beginning, right? We know the story. God creates the heavens and the earth, the animal kingdom, all the plants and all the rest. God creates Adam and Eve. He puts them in the garden. And God basically says, hey, have a ball. Enjoy. Can you imagine how much fun they had naming all the animals? And they're just having a ball. And, and as the biblical narrative tells, they're, they're, they're given free reign over everything. But, but they were told, don't you dare eat from the fruit from that tree in the center of the garden. And by the way, they were a lot like you and I, a lot like my kids. When somebody tells us not to do something, come on. <laughs> I'm glad we got such transparency here today. We have this tendency, and we have to learn to resist this, right? We have this tendency to do exactly what God tells us not to do. And in Genesis 3.3, God warned them, in the day you eat it, if you eat it, you shall surely, what? You shall, you shall die. You shall die. Well, you know the story. They bought the lie from Satan. By the way, that's what Battle Ready is going to be about next week. We're talking about Satan. We're talking about how to live in this battle of life. We're talking about good and evil. You don't want to miss a single Sunday. Starts next Sunday. Satan goes all the way back to Genesis. And Satan tells them the lie. They fall for it. They eat forbidden fruit salad. And the gig is up. They feel overwhelmed by remorse. 
They feel estranged from God. They notice each other's nakedness, and they realize that they have committed an awful crime against God. And by the way, when you and I sin, I believe we've lost sight of this in the church today. When we sin, we are committing a crime. We are committing a sin against a holy God. They committed this. God shows up. You probably know what went down. Basically, there had to be a demand for justice. Someone had to pay. God had told them they would surely what? Die. But in this amazing scene early on in Genesis, we see the first glimpse of God's grace. And in Genesis 3.21, after Adam and Eve, I'm sure they say, oh, we are done. We are toast. God does a miraculous thing. And in Genesis 3.21, come on, I feel like you're so with me today. I want you to read this with me. All of our campuses out loud, ready, go. And God took the skin of an animal and clothed their nakedness. Now, most people skim right over that. Maybe you have. God clothed their nakedness. Don't miss this. With the skin of an animal. How must he have clothed their nakedness with the skin of an animal? This is the first death we see in the Bible. This is the first time we see blood shed. This is the first time we see red blood dropping into the dirt of the earth and saturating it. God sacrifices an animal. He said they would surely die. He's gracious. He sacrifices an animal that he created. And from the skin of that animal, as they were overwhelmed with their guilt, with remorse, with their shame, God clothes all of that. And it's the first glimpse we see of what? Say it with me. Substitute atonement. Substitute atonement. Now fast forward in your mind through the Bible. You get to the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament. And Isaiah starts to declare, roll the clock forward to about 800 BC. Isaiah starts to declare that God is going to send the once and for all final sacrifice the Lamb of God who would shed his blood for the once and for all sins of the world. And it blew their mind. You can rest assured when Isaiah started proclaiming this, they had no idea what he was talking about. He starts declaring it. Look at what Isaiah 53, 5 says, out loud, really strong, ready, go, pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. And you can rest assured. Come on, yeah, you can clap and celebrate that. Isaiah said 800 years before Christ, this is what's going to happen. God is going to send his son and you can rest assured they were like, time out, whoa. Like we've heard the story so many times, we kind of we grow numb to it. Whoa, wait a minute, God, 
is going to do. They had heard the creation story. God is going to do that. He's going to cover us. He's going to cover our shame, our sin, our nakedness, our remorse. He's going to cover it all, and it blew their minds. Fast forward. We've gone from Genesis to Isaiah. Slip on over into the New Testament where we are in John's gospel. The Lamb of God comes walking, Jesus Christ, born of a Virgin Mary, 2,000 years ago. He comes walking on the scenes. He's about 30 years old. And John 1 says this out loud. Ready? Go. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him. And he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The Lamb of God, who does what? Takes away the sins of the world. And again, I promise you, I promise you they went, whoa, time out. We've been taught this old system by which we earn our salvation. We've been taught that we have to obey every single rule, and if we don't, we're done. What do you mean a human being, a God-man in the flesh is going to come and take away the sins of the world? As the next three years of his life unfolded, he taught us the best way to live. He was the most, even if you're not even a Christian, listen, you, and you can't, nobody can dispute this anymore. People used to try to dispute this, but nobody can dispute this anymore. Even the most jaded scientist, secular, jaded, whatever, he, you cannot dispute that Jesus Christ was the most influential human being on the planet. Historians from, from back in Jesus' day to today, there is no disputing the fact, even if you don't believe he was the Son of God, even if you don't believe he offered substitute atonement, you cannot deny that he was the most powerful, influential human being on the planet. But what I want to ask you today is have you received the gift of substitute atonement? Like you can read the Bible and, and from this influential person, Jesus, you can learn how to live your life. The most powerful, blessed way to live your life is following in the footsteps of Jesus. But you can do that without being a Christian. And you can go to church your whole life and never really understand what I'm trying my best to communicate to you today. And that is the gift it is a free gift that after he walked among us three years and he lived out his ministry and he taught us the way to live, Isaiah had prophesied about it and Jesus himself said it was going to happen. He talked about a day, a day that would become known in the history of the church as Good Friday. And he talked about a day when that atonement would require, the sin of the world would require that a price was paid. And on Thursday night of that week, which we're going to celebrate in Hillsboro again, October 25th, 
Let's pack the burrow, man. Let's worship God. And for some of you, it'll be the first time you've had communion after you receive Christ today. But on that Thursday night, he, he broke bread. He lifted wine. He said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for who? For you. When the supper was over, he took the cup. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant. Pour it out for the forgiveness of sins. Blood was going to fall and saturate the dirt of earth one more time. But the difference between the first and this was that this would be the once and for all gift of salvation where the blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins would be the sacrifice, would be the price paid so that you and I might be forgiven, redeemed forever. It happened on good Friday. And he was dead. Dead. Dead Friday night. Dead Saturday. Sister said, hmm. Dead Saturday. And on Sunday morning, God raised Jesus Christ to new life. Come on, church. And paid the once and for all price for all humanity to receive this, this gift of substitute atonement where he took your place and in taking your place, he paid your price. His blood shed on the cross and when I receive that gift and when I believe that all of this is true, I become a child of God. I become a child of God. Have you received this gift? Have you ever had a day where you just made sure that you knew. You, you, you just made certain that if you died today, and y'all know how I roll. I don't, I don't, I don't do like scare tent, uh, tactics. I don't, I, don't try, I don't try to manipulate you. And I, I know it's been abused in the history of the church, but come on, come on. If, if our life is showing us anything today, none of us are promised tomorrow. Can we just be real about it? Without, without, I'm not, I'm not manipulating you. I'm not even trying to scare you. But if it scares you, let it scare you. Like, when I go anywhere today, I'm just like fully aware. Like, you know, this is a crazy world that we live in. And the truth is, any of us, me included, could get hit by the proverbial bus on the way home from church today. And by the way, if I do, if I do, don't worry about me. <laughs> Come on. If I, hey, my wife, she's, she's hospitable. She'll probably have a party at the house. You go to my house and eat some potato salad and celebrate. Celebrate. Because that old boy is in heaven in a far better place. 
But 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 here, sometimes in the in the modern day church, sometimes we just stop there and we don't because it's been abused so often in the past. We don't talk about the reality. See, we all clap because we really believe that there's a heaven. If there's a heaven, there's a hell. And I know you don't like it. Like, I don't like it. Like, I got family members that if they don't get right at the foot of the cross, and it kills me, breaks my heart, but if they don't get right at the foot of the cross, again, it breaks my heart. But the Bible says that they're going to spend eternity, that's a long time, in hell. You say, just describe hell to me, Pastor. I don't know. I haven't been there. Bible just says it's horrible. The Bible says it's suffering. It's weeping. It's gnashing of teeth. The best way I know to put it as I read the Bible, the best way I know to put it is hell is separation from God. Like, and I don't, I want to go to a lot of places. I don't ever want to go anywhere separated from God. Heaven and hell, you don't hear this hardly anymore. I'm sorry, but you don't. Heaven and hell are real. And, and real people go there. Not on spring break. For eternity. That's why this is serious stuff. And, and for those of you who kind of, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're skeptical and maybe you're trying to figure it all out you're sitting there right now I've lost you because you think I don't like this idea of hell and what kind of God would send people to hell no 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 no. listen God doesn't send people to hell people choose to go to hell and you and you might say well what about the person in the I always hear this what about the person in the foreign island and he's never heard about Jesus don't start playing, trying to play God God will figure that out God, God will take care of that. God's a gracious God. God will take care of that. God, listen, oh, this is so good. I'm not even, this is not even weird. God will hold a person accountable based upon what that person has heard, what that person has known, what that person has experienced. Don't try to play God. Just deal with the fact that if you're not a believer, you came to a New Hope campus today, or you're watching this somewhere on a computer screen or a television somewhere, and God has positioned you to hear the greatest love story you've ever heard. God has, there, there is no coincidences. God has put you here. Here is a God incident in which he has put you in this position, in this posture, at this place, at this time to hear the greatest love story ever told. He loves you. And unlike my son, Caleb, he wants you home. Home in the loving arms of God. He loves you, like really, really loves you. Formed you in your mother's womb. Knows you by name. The Bible says the numbers of hair on your head is numbered. He, he, he knows you intimately. 
And he's saying today, come home. Come home. And if you're not sure, let's seal the deal today. The Holy Spirit's stirring in you right now. At all of our campus locations, some of you are sitting there and you're like on the edge of your seat and you you feel the gravity of this moment. You feel the weight of this moment. Why do you feel the gravity and the weight of this moment? Because here's the deal, heaven and hell is resting in the balance. So without any further ado, I want to give you a chance to do what I did on October 23rd. 1988 when he wrecked and redeemed my life forever I want to give you a chance to receive to receive and believe the gospel and get adopted today by your heavenly father and walk out of here a born again child of God that yeah you yeah So let's pray. In the sacredness and the tenderness and the holiness of this moment, let's pray. And I'm going to ask all, at all our campuses, if everybody can just stay put. Don't, don't jet for the doors. Don't, don't squander this moment. Even if you're saved and you know that you know, think about other people. Father, I want to thank you. I love this story. I love this story, God, because you've wrecked and redeemed my life with it. And God, I made a commitment to you a long time ago that I would do everything I can as long as I can, so long as you would breathe breath into my lungs to introduce other people to this glorious gospel. God, we thank you today that you took the hit for us. We thank you today that you served as our substitute 2,000 years ago. Functionally, you were our substitute. You died the death that I should have died. You shed the blood that I should have shed. And in doing so, Father God, you, you provided atonement for me. Sounds like a big fancy word, but it's biblical. You, you enabled me to be at one with you, to, to have my sins atoned for. <laughs> God, you made it available for every living, breathing human being. So Father, in the holiness of this moment, for the man or the woman or the child or the student, who is sitting here, God, and their heart is beating fast and they're just not sure and they feel the weight of this decision. Father, I pray that they would just surrender today. I pray that they would just open up their heart and their minds and their, and their lives, Father, and they would just surrender to you. They would give their lives to you. They would receive and believe in the good news of Jesus. If that's you today, I'm going to do something bold. I'm going to ask you to do something bold. I'm going to ask you on the count of three to just lift your hand up. At all of our campus locations, now make no mistake about it, lifting your hand up does not save you, but it is your way of reaching up to God. It is your way for for a campus pastor or myself to look you in the eye and pray for you and know you and serve you. On the count of three, you just pop it up. You just be bold. 
You just receive and believe in the glorious gospel of Jesus today. One, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, for you. He came as your substitute. He took the hit. He died the death that you should have died. Two, in doing so, he was your atonement. By his stripes, you are healed. Three, God raised Jesus Christ to life evermore so that you might serve a living Savior. Just raise your hand right where you are. Just lift it up. Lift it up high. Raise it up high. Raise it up high. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. All of our campuses, I see you folks in the balcony. I see all of you down here at the campuses. Raise your hands up high. Raise them up high. Everybody keep your eyes closed. If you've got your hands up, you can keep your eyes closed. You can look at me. I'm praying for you, ma'am. I'm praying for you guys back here. I'm praying for you too here. Three, I see you three up here. See you, oh, I see you brother way back there. Praise God. I see you four over here. God bless you. You, you, you in the back. God sees you at the campuses. Keep your hands up high as we pray for you. Just lift them up high. And even if you haven't lifted them up yet and you feel led, just pop them up. Say, Lord Jesus, I receive you today. I receive the gift of salvation. Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I become yours today. I am an adopted child of God. Thank you. Thank you for letting me be your child. I will follow you all the days of my life. And when I fall short, Lord God, I will run back to the cross where I will receive again your substitute atonement for me. I will repent of my sins and follow you to the best of my ability. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. Let the church say together, amen. Yeah. Come on, celebrate them. You can do better than that. Celebrate them. We celebrate you folks at the campuses. I want to close with this. All of you received a card on your way in. All of you received a card on your way in. At the bottom of that card, could I, could I see that card, please? On the bottom of this card, here's what I'd like for you to do. Those of you just raised your hand, and there was a lot of people. And guys, this is just one location. I want you, I love your heart. Yeah, you can celebrate them again. Hey, at all of our campuses, the campus pastor is going to get up and walk you through this. But I just want to say in closing, fill out this card. At the bottom it says, today I am receiving and believing in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Check that box if you just raised your hand. And then the second box for you to check if you, and this is for those of you who received Christ today, or for those of you, listen, you came here as believers, but you've never been baptized. You've never had a believer's baptism. The second box, everybody take out your cards. And this is perforated. You tear that bad boy off. The second box at the bottom says this. I would like to be baptized on Sunday, November 5th. We're going to have a baptism. It's our final baptism celebration of the year. And uh, you want to mark that. And here's what you can do. You can drop it in the offering basket in just a moment. Because we want to send you some information. We want to pray for you. We want to help you grow. We want to come alongside of you. Or... Or when the worship celebration is over, you can go and take this card outside and we've got a Bible for you. And the campus pastors are going to explain the logistics at each campus.
campus. We love you guys at the campus locations. We celebrate you. Would you sign off to the campus pastors and uh, the campuses? We love you guys. Have a great day.